I always wondered if like if like uh, if there's a champagne that's like the Miller High Life of champagne. No, no, there's not. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's a shitty champagne out there. If that's what you're saying, and it's, and it's considered the Miller High Life of champagne. Like a like a lo- low quality South African brewing company champagne out there somewhere. Yeah, sure. Why is it got to be South African? South African produces only quality. Case in point, Elon Musk. Ooh, what a segue. Right? That would have been useful if we were podcasting already. Welcome to the Super Colorful Original <laughs> Telecommunicated Transmission. Are you recording? Yes. Otherwise known as Scott <laughs> <laughs> I've got David here. We're doing our first remote pod. What's up, Scott? This is super exciting because I can't wait to interrupt you constantly. It's going to be awesome. Right. We're going to have to be sure to take like excessive beats between sentences. Right. Due to lag. That's correct. Lag from the beer we're drinking as well as lag from the actual internet. It's going so. to be a very slow episode. I'm going to warn everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> True. Probably. <laughs> It's okay. You'll you'll fix it in post, Scott. Just like always. Just like always. Just rely yep. on Scott to spend forty hours straight editing clips together. You love every second of it. I kind of do, actually. I wouldn't do it if I didn't. We got David here, and we got some very exciting topics. Uh, we're on like the third episode in a row where Elon Musk is on the docket. Right, which is you know to be expected of a man of his status. I suppose so. So you're still pro-Musk after all the hullabaloo. That's important to establish. I'll have to see how I stand exactly after I hear this bit of news. I, I, I'm not really one to check the news very often and on these kind of topics, especially about pedophilia. Not exactly. <laughs> once, not something I'm going to click on right away, but if it's about my boy Musk, I guess I got to... Uh, I got to hear what this is. I'm I'm intrigued. I have no idea what you're about to drop on me. What kind of info? Well, well, we'll get to that. But first, we got some front matter to discuss. A little bit of Scottcast news. A little bit of Scottcast updates to make sure the audience knows how great Scottcast is. Uh, I got news for you, David. Do you like Spotify? I do. Scottcast is on Spotify, and so are you. Oh, right. Yeah, the cast you can listen on there because people do that. I guess so. People people listen to podcasts on Spotify. So, I, yeah, I got, I got a new hosting service that uh, a little bit wider distribution so that people can look for ScottCast wherever podcasts are found. It, it's an extra step towards our end goal of world domination. Oh, okay. Well, as long as there's a, you know, you can track the progress over time, that's good. Yeah. You got to have little, little, little benchmarks along the way to kind of measure its progress of taking the world over slowly by taking over every possible app that people could be interested in listening on. That was the first step. Take over all the platforms. Now we got to just leech into their brains. And that's kind of what we, that's, that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the topics you're bringing today, like different ways that we can uh, latch onto these people's brains and uh, transmit uh, this super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast, right into their psyche so that they don't even have to have these apps. They can just uh, experience Scottcast as a sort of way of life. Perhaps one day they'll even be able to listen to it on audible.com. Yeah, maybe we'll make ourselves a little uh, little, little ebook, a little audible book 
so that people can go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash scottcast and download his free book. It would probably be about either like deep psychology from Ian, uh, uh, some science and physiology from you, or just uh, rants about how great I am from me. Maybe a mixture. Oh, okay. Probably mostly the la- the latter there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only one that's a truly evergreen topic. Evergreen, ever, ever Scott, ever Scott cast. That's right. The evergreens, that most evergreen topic in the world is how great I am. You can just never stop talking about that. People can't get enough of it. They really doesn't can. matter what time of day. Morning, noon, night, uh, weekday, weekend, flag day, flag day especially. That's the Scott cast appreciation day. SAD. Sad. Come <laughs> <laughs> join in on it. <laughs> Scottcast Appreciation Day. I like it. Yeah. Wave that orange orange bannered flag with the emblazoned uh Jeff Goldblum on there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, reviews are in for Feudcast. Uh people loved you. People love David. They want more of the underdog David. Like I know you lost terribly, but People think David, they, we need more David. They're like, the underdog is still in the running. Well, everybody likes to root for the underdog, Scott, so why would I want to win? Maybe so you did it on purpose. Is that, a, is that your hot take right now? I mean, that's kind of meta, but, yeah, I mean, it's how I roll, you know? I'm just the dog. Sneaky <laughs> D, coming in when you least expect me. I find my way in. Doesn't matter if it's in through the back door, baby. I'm in there. Doesn't matter if you come through the back door, if it takes an hour to set up. You're coming in. Yep. It's a slow setup. It's like, but it's inevitable. Eventually, I'm going to be there. Be there for the for the masses. It's creeping my way in. Encroaching. A little bit of encroaching. A little sneaky D encroaching. So we got some great topics uh, planned ahead of us. Uh, Ian has spent the last two podcasts. I know you haven't had a chance to listen because they are not published yet. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> basically totally castigating Elon Musk. Completely uh, tearing his character down. And that brings up another quick topic that I need to refresh you on. Uh, we have settled on a name. Uh, for the Scott Cast fans, and it's not Gold Member. It's not Gold Member. Okay. <laughs> no, Darn. no, we don't call them dicks. Ah, but they're not just members; they're Gold Members. Yeah, they're golden though. It's it's gold. They're <laughs> usual painted gold. <laughs> Sorry. Scott Cast Legion was torn down because uh, it reminded people of Legionnaires' disease, and they didn't want to be a part of that. Uh, and a gold member was torn down because it reminded people of dicks. And so I was talking with uh, one of our greatest ScottCast fans, and they suggested, you know, what do we do on this podcast pretty much every episode? Uh, we castigate people. So, Scott Castigators. Okay. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sure, whatever floats your boat, man. That's a, little, a bit of a tongue twister, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure people um, you really need to enunciate that too when they're saying it. Like a you know like any kind of astication could be kind of you know casticating, masticating. Those kind of things could be misconstrued. You got to be careful. I don't think so because we're we are Scott cast. And so it's never going to be Scott Mast. No one's going to be thinking that like, it's Scott Chewing. Like, I don't even eat during podcasts. 
I've never recorded a single podcast where I was munching. Just drinking. Yeah, just drinking. You guys are the only people who've eaten anything, and that was bugs. I understood that was where, because we had secretly decided that it was actually a Thai. It was not really a, you know, because it was a Thai dish. I thought it was a pun. I, I didn't understand the rules. I thought, you know, in solidarity, we agreed it was a tie. I, I actually didn't realize until after we were filming, you know, looking, rolling back the tapes. Now I realize it was it was all just it was a, it was rigged, you know. So I understand. It's, it's okay, Scott. I don't think it was rigged. I don't think it was rigged. I mean, like it was a fair game. You had your opportunity to get your points as many as possible. You know, it's just that Ian inched ahead of you. It was a lot closer than I thought it would be. It was an interesting. It was an interesting discussion, and that's all that really matters. It's not about the wins and losses, and I think we come, we all came to agree that at the end. But I mean, I think the most important thing here is that you don't send me that mug. Oh, you don't want I will the smash mug? It, I'll smash it against the wall. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> check us out. <laughs> I have the mug right here. <laughs> okay. It says okay, Scott actually Cast pr- fan tolerated. <laughs> okay, that actually is pretty cool. Feudcast loser. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> but it's good. Why'd you have to turn it around? Here's the deal, though. Like, uh, I was uh, talking with somebody, and we were talking about old talk shows and stuff, and I told them about these mugs. <laughs> And I was like, I've always assumed it's for water or coffee or something. But apparently, this is what they do in those old talk shows. Uh, they fill it with liquor so that when they're on the, on the show, they can just uh, drink the, from the mug. And it looks like they're having coffee or water or whatever. But they're really getting liquored up and uh, loose and verbal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what we do, except we try to be less discreet about it. We just drink right out of the can and or bottle. Yeah, and discuss it while we... <laughs> so if it's just audio, like, people will still know. You'll know, because you can hear me slurping on this drink the whole podcast, but... Yeah. Like I am right, like I am right now, but... I kind of... I'll just make sure that when I drink out of that cup, or that mug, that you can only see the side that doesn't say loser on it, and we'll be okay. Okay. You have, okay, so that's your right hand. That'll be your right hand. It's designed perfectly. But, but like, the thing with that is, like, sure, the audience will see... That you're just fan tolerated, but you're gonna see loser the whole time. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Uh, so, you've thought this out well. Yeah, it's like you have to pick one. <laughs> Do I want them to know my shame outwardly, or should I just just kind of stare at it the whole time and just soak it all in, soak in my as a as a constant reminder of the time that I took that L. Just hold it to my chest. You know, you've heard the phrase, hold the L, to keep that L in your chest, son, right? Yeah, yeah. Hold that, hold it close okay. to the vest, them, them loses. You don't want anybody to know you've ever lost something. But I took that L and then I'm going to bounce back, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here you are again. Yeah. You're ready. We're ready to cast basically like this, these, that, these two episodes. This is episode 28 and the last episode, 27, uh, both recorded same day. So if there's any level playing field, I think this is it. This is it. Like, I mean, sure, Feudcast was a pretty level playing field. You guys were both there. Uh, fans wrote in saying that you killed the first half uh, and that, that everyone loved it. <laughs> the second half, we were a little bit, yeah, we were a little tired on that day, that early morning on 4th of July. Right, but it was so much fun <laughs> to watch you guys just totally pissed off about the situation. <laughs> 
I mean, I wouldn't. I wasn't saying I was pissed off. I was just. Uh, I wasn't totally into it as much as normal, but it's it, it was it was still fun. I'm I'm still glad I came. So as always, always a pleasure. Because you don't drink caffeine or anything, so you had no libation to really enjoy. Nope, alcohol is my only friend <laughs> that gets me through the day. <laughs> the only drug in my life. I only got it's it's, it's my one. It, it's it's the one thing that you do so you don't have to call yourself a teetotaler. A teetotaler? What do yeah. you think? A teetotaler. What's a teetotaler? Teetotaler is somebody who doesn't do anything. It doesn't do drugs, doesn't do uh, caffeine, doesn't do uh, the, 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 the booze. I think. Oh, so they don't, they, don't, they don't have any fun. They're one of those people who, who uh, keep it fresh, keep it easy. You know, detox. They might not even have gluten. I don't know. I don't don't know get me started on the detox thing, man. Is that a thing? Is that bad? Detox was basically, in my opinion, kind of like invented as a marketing thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not invented as a marketing thing because really what detox is is people just going on low-calorie diets and losing mm-hmm. weight because they're not getting calories. And then you just can't, you can't sell nothing, Scott. Am I right? I mean, you can't, just tell, you can't sell people just, hey, stop eating as much food, right? You can't really sell that. So they sell it like, hey, here's a detox thing and... You know, here's our little, you know, drink these juices and blah, blah, blah. Go on a cleanse. Get rid of these toxins that they're always throwing. Ooh, toxins. Ooh. Toxins. Get rid of those. Like, what are the toxins? Uh, you know? <laughs> no, nobody knows, Scott. They're just bad stuff in your body, and you, got, you better get rid of that. It's making you not feel so good. But, like, you know, ooh, chemicals, maybe. Maybe they're chemicals. Oh, don't say the C word chemicals which you know everything is made up of if you've never taken chemistry yeah the water is water is a chemical yep so i mean everything is chemistry but yeah they always say those detox diets you know like they're getting they're purging your body of all these toxins and they never really say what they are i mean if you could just point out to me like take any detox diet that you're doing and you just show me the compounds show me the compounds man just like say you know Show me anything that you're actually physically taking out. And, I mean, you could probably, I mean, you could even go down to the level of, like, your kidneys are excreting this, and they take this out. But you never see that. It's just a big marketing ploy. I heard, like, the latest big fad diet I heard about, Kevin Smith did it after he had a heart attack. Penn Penn Gillette from Penn & Teller did it. Wrote a book about it. Uh, He's a juggler. What you do is for, like, two weeks straight or something like that some amount of time the only food you're allowed to eat is the potato so just starchy carbs just the potato yep what's the rationale behind that uh the rationale behind that is food is a system of habits basically and uh, by eating just potatoes for for a little while, you get rid of a lot of your bad habits and you can start building slowly uh, better habits after that okay so it's basically an elimination diet is what they call that and it's where you eliminate a lot of things out and then you slowly reintroduce things back in your diet i'm okay with elimination diets i don't know why it has to be potatoes you can do it with literally anything okay you can go on a like the way i would recommend people do that and i'm not a nutritionist by the way is beer maybe not start with beer maybe start (laughs) with something a little less uh but yeah what you can do is you eliminate everything maybe like i'd actually if you're going to try out something like maybe for example intermittent fasting and fyi i don't do intermittent fasting except for like maybe not eating breakfast in the morning but 
I know I'm not against it, but I mean, if I have, I've tried here and there and it really doesn't you know, affect me that much. So I probably could do it. But anyways, if you want to do that, if you ever wanted to try like intermittent fasting out, that's a great time because it involves eating nothing, right? For a mm-hmm. period of time. And then, so you basically just slowly reintroduce things. So you don't eat anything for like a day and then you slowly introduce things into your diet. So maybe like, um, you start the day off and you have a coffee. Okay. And then next, next time you have a coffee, you might introduce a little bit of cream in there. Oh, the cream gives you a problem and makes you bloated. Maybe you shouldn't have cream in your coffee. Right. And then you just slowly reintroduce everything in there and you know, you're losing weight cause that's a you know caloric restriction. And then eventually you just find things that agree with your gut that don't give you an inflammatory gut. And then you just build it up from there. Just kind of a good way to do it. But I mean, I don't know if you want to just do just potatoes cause I mean, that is kind of a bland food, but you know, maybe I would go with something like from the brat diet, which is, you can look it up. It's bananas, rice, applesauce and toast or tea. And you can kind of just do very bland tasting foods like that. But I mean, it's basically an elimination diet. It's interesting though. Yeah. And he lost weight. He lost weight doing that. And then what did he only just do it for two weeks and then he went back on it? Uh, well, Kevin Smith went vegan after he had his heart attack. I think his daughter's vegan, so she probably did some convincing uh, while he was dying and and uh, convinced him to go uh, vegan-vegan. And uh, he started it with this elimination diet by that Pendulette was uh, uh, proselytizing with. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it's not like it's a long-term diet you, know, you go on, but I wouldn't really call that, like, a cleanse, technically, because okay. you know, you're not just, I don't know. Like, cleanse doesn't mean you're just, like, usually when people use the word cleanse, they're talking about, like, you know, putting in all these exotic things that are going to, you know, like, flush out all these toxins, and I don't think that potatoes really do that, so. But you know what I mean. Like, I, I think you're trying to you're trying to say cleanse from the... the Use the lens of you know like an elimination diet. I don't think that's a problem. So okay, okay. So that so for cleanses, it's like it's more like uh, it's it's like this fad thing where like the science it's pseudoscience, um, and and they and they just uh, they sell basically an odd combination and say it's perfect or something. Well, it just kind of builds a bad relationship with food where people are like, well, okay, I'm going on a diet and I'm going to do do this cleanse and they're going to get rid of all these toxins and they're just going to like flush everything out and go on a really low calorie diet. And then they're like, okay, my diet's over. And you know, it's like, I hated it the whole time. And now I got to go back onto my normal diet and I'm going to get fat. And they just kind of a vicious cycle. They don't really build a good relationship with food. So I think it's better to slowly reintroduce foods into your diet that don't give you gastric distress and then just find stuff that is, well, tasty to you, that is healthful and that can, you know, handle, you can handle, handle your cravings with. And I mean, we could spend a whole like three days straight just talking about nutrition stuff. This is really just like a really complex subject, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We could probably hit on that in a future podcast. I, I know you want kind of want to talk a little bit about um, some, you know, audio stuff today so kind yeah of yeah i want to learn how to like I, I i love the idea of helping people out and this is something that that i think you should totally have like a physiology exercise not maybe not nutrition because you uh you, you don't uh go on with the nutrition too much but uh yeah like a physiology exercise health and wellness kind of podcast i think i think you'd be great with that 
I mean, I could definitely do some nutrition stuff because you need diet with exercise in order to manage your weight. And, you know, if you have a crappy diet, it really affects your mood and your hormones and all that. I definitely do think it plays a place in there. And I, I definitely would talk about that on my podcast that I'm, it's in the works. Um, I just need to work a little bit on branding, but we're, you know, I have all the, everything set up. I mean, I'm doing a remote podcast right now using my own equipment and it sounds sounded pretty good. So I think in the future I will do that and it would be interesting to have guests on my show. Um, whatever it is called, <laughs> I got a few names I'm pitching around, but the David Vanderheden show that definitely is not taken. I know that nobody wants to pronounce that long last name though. So, <laughs> but people will recognize it. It would be interesting to have like you or somebody on there just to ask, you know, from your perspective where you just are like, Hey, this is what I would like to know as someone who's not in the industry. And here's my take on it. I would be a good contributor for this podcast. Like I'd be coming in being like, okay, what? Like I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a super, I'm a freaking stick boy. What part of this is unhealthy and what part of this should I just not give a shit about? Yeah, and like you can approach that from a number of ways too. And you could talk about you know, mentally how you should approach that, physically, what you could do, and some strategies that you could set up for that. But you know who else was a stick boy, Scott? David from David and Goliath. So, oh. I mean, maybe I'm a little partial to people named David, but if I recall in the biblical text, Goliath actually called, you know, almost referred, alluded to David as being a stick himself. Like, uh-huh. you know, who is this who is this boy who you know the shepherd boy who comes to me bearing sticks i mean he had one stick he had like a it's like a javelin or a spear i think it was a i think it was a spear might have been a javelin i thought he used a slingshot he used a slingshot to take he did have a slingshot in his pocket that's true but he came up there with a stick and he says sticks as in the plural so if people have you know said that maybe he's alluding to the fact that david himself was like a stick you know like a little twig that he could easily snap, you know? So that's actually an interesting story, you know, because uh, actually those, you know, the slingshot that David used was those kind that you kind of twirl around, Mm -hmm. and you can get some pretty good, uh, you know, rotational, you know, kind of momentum behind that and really zing those really hard rocks. I think the rocks are made out of some kind of, like, really hard material, too, that's harder than normal rocks. It's coming like, I don't know. And it hit him when he when he hit him straight in the face there, man. That was like uh, the equivalent of a 120 mile per hour fastball or something like that. So yeah, he was strained. I mean, I think he used to use those uh, to like you know like the shepherd boys would you know fend off the sheep or whatever with their with those things. So they're pretty accurate with them, you know. They like you know lions and all sorts of whatever is in you know I don't know. Maybe not lions, but, you know, like predatory animals, they would like fend them off by slinging these things at the predators, you know, with pretty deadly effectiveness. So anyways, I don't know why we're talking about that. We're talking about that for a few reasons. You know, like it's it's uh, pumping up the skinny ectomorph kind of, kind of fella, and uh, it's giving me ideas for how to destroy other podcasts. I think if I get myself a slingshot, uh, you know, position myself advantageously above their equipment. You know, give it a shot. Eventually, we're going to be not only the best sounding podcast, but the only one with working sound. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Indeed. 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 So, yep. That'll be good. I'm going to get you a slingshot. Scott, we're going to have Scott Scott cast slingshots you can purchase online. 
via our sponsor, you know, future sponsor, superslingshots.com. I wonder if that's an actual. <laughs> probably. You probably know. should Google and probably look that up. Super Slingshots. So. It's, yeah, that name is that name's impending just as like your podcast's name is. It'll be David versus Goliath. Only the name of the podcast. Goliath being all the bullshit out there. There we go. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. I think we just figured something out. The Anti-Goliath podcast. The Anti-Goliath? Like a Goliath-seeking missile. We're going to take down all those big bloated ideas that people have out there about fitness and just boil it down to the essential. We'll talk about the nitty gritty for sure. As is with war, you know, because that was, I believe a one-on-one contest to decide the victor of that battle. And in such a decisive manner, we will also decide certain things about fitness. I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, the audio, I don't know how we got to there again, but Hey, Hey, audio. I believe we're using audio to influence the masses currently. Right. So, like right now, like we got all these great platforms. We got we got we're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, we're on anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, but um, but I want to go even further than that, and I, and you're coming here today to sh- tell me a little bit about how I can do that. Right. Well, I kind of was. Uh, researching a little bit lately because i i like looking up physiology things in case you haven't noticed um but i like i was looking up this kind of cool concept about um different you know all the different uh sensory you know organs that we have you know our eyes ears and so forth you know the different uh senses that we have right the not just the five senses but also all of our other senses because you know we have more than five senses right Mm -hmm. so that movie the sixth sense wasn't really all that special i mean in the movie, they implied that he had, you know, the five senses and that he had an extra sense and it was the ESP kind of thing, right? You know, he could speak with dead people and, Bruce you know, Willis. this extra psychic thing where he could speak with the dead and so on and so forth. You've heard of extrasensory perception, ESP, right? Yeah. So actually, but it's not that exciting because you really have like over 20 different senses that you can easily quantify. Like, for example, you you know, you don't have just taste, touch you know, sight and smell and, you know, all that stuff. You have, um, you have thermal receptors, you know, which measure, measure the heat, you know, and your sweating response and all that. You have pressure receptors, you know, you have, you know, you have vestibular cochlear senses in your ears, which, you know, help you with your balance, sense of balance and all that stuff. Uh, you have lots of different senses there. So not just five senses. And um, it's interesting because um, when you start looking into these senses, you start thinking about like the, how the brain interprets all of them. And like, so you think about the brain, it's sitting inside your skull and in the dark, okay? All it ever gets is like these little electrical impulses and it has to make sense of all these impulses, right? So, you know, you got like the receptors in the back of your eye and, you know, in your retina that are, you know, giving information to it and has to figure out, you know, have to piece together all the pieces of the puzzle to figure out what you're actually looking at right it's just a bunch of scattered nonsense until it makes or you know until it organizes it into a coherent image for you right okay same thing with same thing with like your balance and same thing with your with your audio and stuff i mean with your um you know sense of sound and all that stuff like that so 
Um, so since the brain just kind of has to figure everything out based off of these impulses, it's really interesting because they have, you can disrupt those quite easily. And, you know, you've seen this with like, you know, visual trickery, you know, like where you look at something and, you know, it's like, you know, those like, what was like, what, what were you, you and Ian talking about that one episode? It was the, it was the tricky cabin where everything is distorted to make it look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. He went up North and went to one of those, uh, wacky, uh, mystery spots. Yeah. So like the mystery spots, it like messes with your, your senses, right? Your, your, your sight tries to make, you know, inferences based off of the environment and it does it and it, and it can't do it because everything is perfectly crafted to make it look like, you know, you're bigger in one spot or the room is tilted or whatever. Right. So it kind of throws you off. Um, and just like what you can do that visually, you can also do that auditorily or auditorily, aud- audibly. You can do that audibly too, you know? So there was this interesting, um, uh, concept I was reading about. And, um, this concept I'm talking about is called the Umwelt, which is like, you know, uh, it's a German word for like your world worldview. So like, if you look at your world and you try to make sense of it, um, based off of what you have available. So you have all these like little peripheral organs that, tell you things and humans have, you know, you know, they have the five senses and they have the other senses too, but like some, some, uh, animals like, um, don't rely on sight, you know, they rely on echolocation or they rely on, uh, the sense of smell like a dog, you know, like a dog, you know, their sight is okay, but it's not the greatest, but you know, they can smell things from, you know, they can, they can just get so much information about the world just from smelling things. So it's like smell o vision for them. Right. So, you know, so it, it just depends on how you're specialized and what, what organs give you the most information for us. It's sight. And then it's sound. Those are probably some of the biggest ones. But anyways, um, if you're talking about, uh, the audio portion though, you can disrupt that. Right. So like the example, when you were trying to set up this podcast, it was like, I could hear the feedback from myself when you we were first talking. Cause I could just, and it was delayed by a little bit and it was a, the delay was enough so that I heard my own voice and I couldn't hear my own thoughts. I can even like formulate thoughts and coherently say them in sentences because of this delay. So they've actually had came up with these devices called speech jammers. And that's kind of what I wanted to uh, kind of introduce the, the subject with. And it's this interesting technology where these guys have actually come up with uh, a, a device that you can take like a gun, you know, and you just shoot it at somebody Okay, and it beams this kind of like this feedback loop so that mm-hmm. they hear so that it disrupts them. So they actually you actually hear yourself again like 200 milliseconds after you say it. So Ooh. you're hearing your own voice again. Whatever you say, it, it 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 cycles it back by bouncing it back and you can hear your own voice again. So you you try to give a speech and you can't. You like start tripping up over yourself. Kind of like what what we already do on our own. You and me as casters, we just kind of have trouble getting words out sometimes. So perhaps someone's trying to jam our speech. We're just that good. I don't Probably know. Probably Scott Bradley. That guy, he he does the other Scott cast. What yeah. a, he's probably trying to sabotage us from the get-go. He probably put a speech jammer directly on your microphone. And it's not working, Scott Bradley. It's not Give fucking it up, working. Buddy. I can talk just fine. Look at me. All these words are flowing like butter that's melting. Yep. But it's delicious. People love melted butter. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about rancid butter. We're talking, you know, we're talking about like delicious, you know, like body temperature, you know, like 
warming up slowly, letting it just kind of, I don't know where I'm going with that one. That was good. It was kind of, whoa. The butter is just kind of, it's good. Yeah. It's good butter. I love butter. Butter's good. I could go on a tangent about butter, but I'm not. So, um, yeah. So the fair, all we know, he's jamming our, uh, our frequencies and we're just that good. We're just overcoming the adversity. But, um, it is kind of interesting. Cause like, I mean, they talked about, um, using this technology for like, you know, like, uh, like if somebody's doing a debate, right. And they, you want them to stop, you want them to shut up. Right. They should just turn off the mic. Right. They should do that, but they yeah, don't. That would make a lot of sense. Just, uh, mess up the mic. Right. Like you want somebody to shut up. Why don't you turn off their mic? I don't know why they don't do those in like presidential debates and just debates in general. What I would do is I'd um, make sure that they hire you to set up the mics and then the speech would get delayed by two hours and no one would be there anymore to hear it. Well, I mean, that's why they know better. They know better than to have me be their sound guy. (laughs) I'd, I'd fix the resume. I mean, that's like, you know, shutting out the mic. They're afraid to do that, okay? But what about, what if you use the speech jammer gun and you just point it right at their their stupid face when they're talking and you say, hey, I said you had X amount of time. You went over your time. So, boom. They, you know, So, you can keep talking if you want, but you're just going to start stammering like an idiot. Right. You're just going to be like, well, I just, I just wanted to, and they just can't get anything out, right? That reminds me of an episode of Trailer Park Boys where the trailer park supervisors were having an election and they didn't want one guy to win. So what they did was before his speech, they uh, gave him a hot dog laced with shrooms. (laughs) Same thing happened. But but what if they don't eat the hot dog? So, you know, that's a good strategy. I'm not saying that's not a good strategy. I'm just saying... You know, is it how many people can you get to eat shroomed hot dogs you know before a presidential debate or something of that nature but i mean everybody's got their snack that they like you know everybody's got their weakness you just find out their the snack that they will gobble up immediately and then boom instant uh instant speech jamming without technology just a little bit of magic just find whatever whatever gets them all riled up whatever satiates their their hunger you know, maybe like the tears of children from third world countries or... Yeah, lace the tears of children from third world countries with like some LSD. Mm. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get a real potent mix there. Why not? A few tears and a little bit of drugs and uh, there goes that politician. His stump speech is a stump speech. Yeah. Just have him snack on people's souls. Since they don't have one of their own, so we got speech jamming. That's that. That's a good. That's a good technique. What What else do we got? Well, you could use that for your competitors, Scott, if you really need to. But we don't need to do that. Our competitors are already trying to do that to us, and we have, have proven that we can overcome that adversity. Yeah, it's happening right now to me. But then there's also a possibility of uh, the. You know, you can also if you're talking about another type of gun. There's um, currently technology where you can take. Um, two different uh you can broadcast two different kind of uh frequencies and they can collide in such a manner so that um when you add them both up together and they the waves start clashing together into a bigger wave you can hear only at the intersection of those waves so what it makes it happen is that you can actually beam something in a very specific manner using uh like ultrasonic waves 
and they hit a specific target. So only the person who's standing in a very specific spot can hear all of that. Ooh. Well, like, if we can get some trackers on our Scott Castigators, uh, and, like, then we can, like, just beam them a little bit of Scott Cast love every once in a while throughout their day, and uh, they don't have to look like they're listening to anything. They can just be hanging out and doing whatever they want, so they can be at, like, work or something like that, and they could be listening to Scott Cast when uh, their boss would uh, otherwise chastise them. <laughs> you could just, like, you can just imagine people just, like, kind of... I mean, the people who hear voices in their head, they're just like, you don't understand. It's, I can't get it out. And it's like, they're going to the shrinks, and it's like, I can't get the Scott cast out of my head. And it's like... <laughs> but why would you want that? Why would you well, want to take it out? Maybe not with Scott cast, but I'm just saying you could almost make it for those... Maybe We're not calling them gold members. What are we calling the uh, cast? cast, cast what, are the, what are the Scott cast premium members called? Scott Castigators. The they're the people who love Scott Cast. They're the they're the fans. So they could get exclusive access to stuff that's only for them that we could beam, you know, they could get it set up and we could beam it to just them. I think the first time I heard about the technology, it was actually for like uh like they said like imagine this was years ago, I hardly remember the, the where I heard this from, but it was like you could be like going through a grocery store and you could just be like, Hmm, do I want the butter or the margarine? And we already know go with the butter am i right so yeah but but maybe you wouldn't know what brand of butter to get and then there'd be boom like right in your ear in that specific spot because they know you're gonna be looking at the different butters and they say hey try out have you tried out our butter today it's extra buttery try out our you know buttery spread from that's some straight up dystopia i would not accept that <laughs> i would rage against that machine you would need some kind of uh anti-beaming technology like dispersion kind of technology, I suppose. But I'm just saying, man, this is another way that you could beam to people in places where maybe, they, like you said, where they're at work and they want to listen to Scott Cast instead of their boss. They can just, you know, kind of like the movie Click, where like he gets the remote and he's like bored with whatever the person, you know, that one woman is talking, his his uh, sister-in-law is talking, and he decides instead of listening to her, he brings up like a picture-in-picture view in the corner. In case you guys don't know what picture-in-picture is, it's that little corner in the bottom of your screen that you can watch another I think program. picture-in-picture is pretty self-explanatory. Okay. But you can, it was basically like tuning her out and watching like a soccer game while she was talking because he'd rather like watch the little picture in the in the corner of his own vision than to listen to her. So something like that, you know, I'm just thinking you could probably, Scott Cass could probably beam some stuff into some people's skulls that only they would have. It'd be like an, like an elite kind, you know, not an elite thing, but you know, like an exclusive kind of thing you could. Yeah. $5 a month and I'll beam directly into your head. Whoa. Now that's some good stuff there. That's real shit. <laughs> that's, that's we're we're redefining podcasting with that idea, with that tier of, uh, commerce that's like the bleeding edge right there that's not invasive at all but you know a little invasive sounds invasive it sounds invasive but really it's good you know invasive it's only invasive if you don't want it it's only invasive as involuntary right it's not like a subliminal message because like you said we don't we don't like try to subliminally message people we tell them what we're doing and we give it we give the people what they want which is more scottcast exactly uh, yeah. So basically, you know, the people are getting, you know, these exclusive little beams of information going into their noggins because uh, that's just, you know, they've been 
charismatically persuaded that, you know, this is the, the, the true messages that they need to receive instead of what their boss is saying. Like, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to be fired. Scott Cast is way better than that. Scott Cast, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if you have a job. It doesn't matter if you're unemployed. Scott Cast is great for literally any situation and it'll it'll always improve your life it's a lot like ganesh sticks you know like no matter how bad of a room you have if you light up a ganesh stick it's like instant improvement everything smells so wonderful and like rich and uh just amazing you might as well you might as well just always have scottcast beaming into you and like your quality of life will improve speaking of improving the quality of your life scott i know that we're always I, we, we, we kind of split hairs a little bit on this last time with the always trying to improve thing. I know that we're always awesome, right? Right. Our, our podcast is always at the top. That's correct. And that top, that, that, that upper echelon is always moving up and up because we're advancing podcasting. We're right? pushing the envelope. And also ourselves are trying to make sure that we are the best versions of ourselves constantly, Correct. I always am, yes. So, because you're, you're you're trying to become a podcasting robot in the future, and you're trying to be the the ultimate version of yourself, right? So, we want to enhance ourselves. Exactly. How can I do that? Help me out. So, I think what the limiting factor here is that you're just relying on our existing senses, and um, I would argue that you know, like we were saying with our our brain before, it just gets a bunch of signals, and it has to figure out what those signals mean. And you have to rely on, you know, like your, all your basic senses in order to do that. But what if I told you that you could create new senses for very complex pieces of information that would be processed by your brain automatically and they would make sense of it and they wouldn't require necessarily the senses that you currently have? Like what would the sense even be? Like what would I be sensing that would be that complicated to receive? Let me give you an example that I heard from David Eagleman, who gave a talk on this. He, has, he currently has a device. He's the guy who is talking about the umbelt, right? Because I don't just pick up German and throw it around loosely like some people do, okay? We're not going to mention Nazis. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> he had this final solution he came up with. No. So he came up with this. Um, he, had, he, had, he had to come up with a solution, though, for these problems that he was having with um, people who were deaf. And, um, you know, there's, you know, cochlear implants and stuff like that are amazing. You know, they allow people, deaf people to hear when they normally can't. But it's pretty invasive and it's expensive and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they're trying to come up with these, you know, things you could even have as like part of an app or something that you could just download or, you know, this little. He came up with this vest that you can wear. Okay. And it's a vest that you put on your chest. And basically, it takes all of the, um, it, it picks up all of these auditory, you know, signals, and it interprets them into vibrations. And this chest has all these different little um, sections on it. And, you know, you wear this vest for a number of days. And eventually, at first, it just seems like random vibrations. But eventually, you're able to discern what the words are that people are saying just from these vibrations. So it's like a sensory substitution. So you're you're substituting one, you know, like you can't hear, but you're substituting that lack of, you know, hearing mm-hmm. for your, you know, your vibration, your sense of touch. So basically they were like having people like 
um, say the, say a word to a deaf person with this vest on, and after wearing it for a few days, they could figure out what the word was just based off the vibrations of their chest. And they never were cognitively doing it, but it was just like organically happening, and their brain figured out automatically what those impulses coming in meant. And it knew that it was actually this these sounds people were making. That's insane. So basically, yeah, it took complex things like speech and words which already relies on a certain part of your brain that's been developed and you lost, you know, your sense of hearing or maybe you never had it or whatever, but you know what words are and what they should form, what they should sound like. And so they are basically to substitute their ears for like the sensations of their chest. Right. And they also did it with things like, um, uh, sonar. Right. So they took like, um, you know, so they saw their vision. So they gave them sonar vision. I think it was like, they called it sonic like sonic vision or something like that. Not like, like echolocation, like a dolphin? Yeah, exactly. So it basically gave them sonar, right? And it's like sonar vision, and they could like figure out, you know, you could you could also use stuff like that. So that's like a sound-based thing, and that's, I think, I think that was actually for people who lack vision, but people who lack vision could use that, and they could use the sonar, and they could figure out what was going on based off their environment, just off the sound. So it's the opposite. So they lack vision, and they could figure out what was going on based off the sound. So you're substituting your sound to create an image in your head based off the sonar, like echolocation for bats. So basically, this kind of thing could be used for any sense. If you want to advance ourselves as human, there could be a day where you have um, some kind of implant or something like that, but you could also just wear a device that would eventually, you know, be reinterpret. you know, it doesn't have to be so invasive, but I'm sure in the future you're going to have to, you're going to probably be able to have a chip or something that you could have that would have connections with all of these, you know, things that could pick up infrared and they could pick up, you know, like all the things that you could already see in nature, like that we can't see. So like, for example, say you want to see infrared, mm-hmm. like, um, like a snake can pick up on infrared, right? Right they have those heat pits in them that allow them to see in infrared. We can't see that. We can see red on the, mag- on the color spectrum, but we can't see infrared because it's just that wavelength is just beyond us. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we also have like the other end of the spectrum, like bees can see ultraviolet light, right? Cause that's on the other, it's on the violet end of the spectrum. We can see violet, but we can't see ultraviolet. So you could see that you could see an ultraviolet too, and pick up all this extra information and then you have dogs, too, which you can hear at a different frequency than we can, just like the, the frequency of light, you know, and photons. We can also do that with uh, our, our ears. So you can actually hear things that dogs could hear. Or maybe you could have an advanced thing that is like, you know, can pick up the chemicals in the air for smell. And maybe you could smell like a dog could. So you could say, like, like when a dog looks at us, it realizes that, like, you know, it can't believe that we can't smell certain things. How can you not tell that this person just walked by five minutes ago and they were right here? And how can you not track them? So you'd have these tracking abilities. So you could build this superhuman, right? With all these extra super senses. It sounds like the, it sounds like the Indominus Rex from Jurassic world. (laughs) You take the best of every, they probably did that with genetics, but I'm saying even if you didn't have the DNA for that, you could have these external stimuli that you could create, you know, like these external devices, these inputs, that you could just kind of... So you can, like, build, like, a suit that does this for you. Like a suit, yeah, or, like, a, a chip implant, or even just something as simple as what they did with, like, you know, the... Sorry, I just got a notification there. But, like, what they did with um, the, the the vest, right? So, it's, and, and you can use it for more complex stuff, too. Like, I remember when they, this David Eagleman guy was talking, he had, like, this vest on, and he, he was saying... 
they gave, they gave this vest and they were just trying this out, but they gave the vest to these guys and they, they, they just gave them a screen and the screen had green or red and they could just, they had to pick one and they got feedback on whether or not they made a good decision. Okay. So you, you pick green or red for yes or no. And it gives you, it gives you like an option. Did you do good or did you do bad? And they're getting all these vibrations on them. And basically what they did was they hooked them up to the stock market and they were having them do buy and sell decisions. Oh. And then it was giving them, it was giving them feedback based off of their, you know, their selection, buy or sell. And they didn't know their brain was just trying to figure out this complex. It was just getting a constant stream, a ticker feed from the stock market about what was going on. And they were taking this complex information and interpret and reinterpreting it. That's insane. Like you can make an extra, like a financial sense. You could, yeah, you could make like an, uh, a sense an that doesn't even, it's like a multifaceted sense that doesn't, you know, doesn't just rely on, like you could pour over numbers and with your vision and figure out and try to piece it all together. But there's so much you can't look at it all at the same time. But maybe your brain, we can unlock a little more potential of our brain, which can handle all these random, random impulses and figure them out for us. And then get like a sixth sense, and not in the sense of ESP, but a sixth sense in terms of interpreting complex data. They were using it for like like pilots too. Like pilots were flying, and instead of having to look at all the different, I think they already have this actually. They were using it like a like a vibration thing for pilots. Instead of looking at all their gauges, you know, for altitude and pitch and yaw and all that, it just gives them a feeling of if something going wrong or whatever, so they don't have to look at all of these. You can't look at six places at once, but you can feel six things at once that's true i'm feeling a whole bunch of things right now <laughs> so maybe our <laughs> listeners could one day get all the feels from our podcast right podcast. right this, i like this that podcast. here's my thought here's my thought okay. and it's gonna bring elon musk back into things okay i posited a question to ian dixon uh last pod um i was like so we got Elon Musk, who we believe is somebody who's really big into building up his public image, his public persona. He, he's a he's forefront of the public persona. He's got a very uh, he's out there. He enjoys the attention. He enjoys uh, being lauded. Right. Also, in this environment we live in, uh, comic book movies are huge. Everyone loves comic book movies. Batman is as popular as anything in the world. I'm sensing a trend. Ian Dixon doesn't like either one of these things. Ian loves Batman. He was wearing a Batman shirt uh, today. He says that he. I remember him saying he does like he's. Oh, he doesn't like all the CGI. I guess maybe maybe the, I'm just. Oh, he doesn't like that. the latest he, movies. He, he doesn't like all the Marvel movies with the CGI and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I get it. He likes comic. He likes comic book. Characters yeah, he likes and the concepts. stories and right. all that. Right, right, okay, yeah. But it, so you're so like kind of like how Elon Musk is like almost like a comic book villain, right? Well, not quite. Well, what I'm thinking is. I want to. I want to see if you think this might be the case. Do you think Elon Musk, and particularly with all this extra sensory equipment, do you think he's going to end up like developing all this equipment, putting it into a suit, and developing himself as like a superhero that he's going to like all of a sudden one day <laughs> he's going to f- swoop in and save like this uh, kid from a burning building, and he's going to be like, "Hi, I'm Elon Musk, and I am finally the world's first actual superhero." 
No, I don't think he would be that hands-on. I think he would have like his legion of people that he would send out and do it in his name for him because <laughs> that's what he's all about, delegating smart, getting smart, investing in smart people that will make him look good. Ah, there so we go. They, they would be the musketeers, Scott, and they would do his justice for him and at zero risk to himself. Meanwhile, he's in there and he's testing them out and he's he's doing all the PR and they're, they show him in his suit and whatnot, like the Iron Man kind of style suit with all, all, all tricked out and everything. But he's not the actual one saving people unless, of course, it's, you know, needs to be done in the public light, you know. But for the majority of things, he would have a network that would replace the police force. Ooh, there you go. Replace the police force. Completely rewrite the infrastructure. He's got the underground covered. He's got space covered. He's got all the ground covered. He's got the the grid covered. He's basically he's looking into AI. I know he's been looking into all that. So he's afraid of he's, AI. I remember. He is. So you know, and just like Batman, he's going to embrace his fear and Ooh. become AI man instead of Batman. <laughs> AI man. <laughs> 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 yep. I think that's the, no, that's, uh, that's definitely the podcast title for this one. <laughs> I think Elon Musk just he you know he had the he had his thing with you know he he kind of like you know all the internet currency is kind of you know because of PayPal right so you know he felt the sense of being ubiquitous and being the the innovator for that but then since then it's like okay he just kind of finds smart people he's almost like Google he finds like a really good concept and he backs it but then he just like you know. He does it just with a lot of uh, charisma, and you know, it's not. I'm not saying he's like a char- like his actual manner is charismatic, but he does it in almost like a Tony Stark kind of way. In fact, I think Tony Stark was, you know, in one of those movies. They have Elon Musk. I think it's Iron Man Two or something. He like makes a an appearance in there because um, Tony Stark based his character off of Elon Musk for that film. Uh-huh. He was trying to be. He was trying to be like Elon Musk. So they actually let him in the film where he shakes his hand. He's like some rich guy investor or something like that. I. It's been a while since I've seen that, but um, yeah, he actually based Tony. So people say, oh, he's like Tony Stark, which I guess you know in the original Tony Stark he is, but in the modern Tony Stark sense that we know of Rob, Robert Downey Jr. and his, his portrayal of like you know his personality you know obviously robert downey jr is much more charismatic than elon musk i mean in terms of just like his speech and his mannerisms and stuff like that but mm-hmm. yeah he modeled him he modeled himself off of musk oh so that's an interesting uh that's an interesting texture to the old musk the musk train musk just has his he just has his hands in so many you know in, in so many different projects it's like like i was saying man if half of this stuff pays off i mean you think about it like i was talking about where he he wants to own space and underground and the grid and all that stuff man if he want if like you, you better want to keep him on what was that th- what was that thing you sent me the tweet about like the, like you want this guy on your side right do you want him to turn into a super villain because if he is you know we're screwed Right, yeah, that's, yeah, like, yeah, if you're going to just rag on this guy all the time and frustrate him about all these things, he's obviously going to, I mean, he, he clearly has, a, he clearly has, like, a proclivity towards snapping on account of, like, that tweet out to that rescue diver calling him a pedophile. That's clearly a knee-jerk kind of snapping, angry kind of thought. So he's okay. He's he, he's he's a few steps away from being a evil supervillain superhero, and like we got it's our, it's our responsibility as people of the zeitgeist 
to so push him in at least the light direction or or at least in some direction where he can have uh, you know, a decent life or, or, or just more satisfaction. Because Ian Dixon posited the theory that Elon Musk had something go on in his history that that made it so that he needs to do a lot of these things to fill some enormous void, some gaping hole in his in his in his uh, ego. He needs something well, to fill his gaping hole. I, I mean, if he really feels like he needs to fill in that hole, that I mean, as long as that's a, a and he's working towards the good of mankind, I, fill in that hole, man. If it's a if it's a hole that can never be filled. Then good. Maybe he'll just be so prolific that he'll just keep going on. I mean, if he had childhood trauma and we're benefiting from it, then <laughs> okay. Maybe what? Why? Why are we? I mean, it's the. the I mean, if maybe he had Ian to help him out when he was a kid, we wouldn't have all these great, you know, uh, things to back him up. I mean. So you're saying Ian is is doing a disservice to the future of mankind <laughs> by potentially diffusing the future Elon Musk's of the world. Uh, I, I think that would be a little bit of a stretch and we're not going to, we're going to be a little bit, what's the term, um, indecisive here <laughs> and not, <laughs> not say that I'm going to say that. No, I'm saying like probably the majority of what Ian does is, is a okay, but you never know what the possibilities well, yeah, it's are. Cause like you can't tell one kid from the next, but, uh, there, there's a thought that uh, potentially one of these kids who he helps and he's like the kid like is like oh thank you Mr. Dixon you really helped me out uh, maybe if he didn't do that that kid would eventually uh, you know um, save mankind you know like usually that doesn't happen that way where it's like saving mankind usually the people who have large aspirations are dictators so <laughs> i'd say probably probability wise he's probably preventing the rise of a tyrant of some sort more than he is the elon musk elon musk is is unique in the sense that he doesn't give off this like hitler light vibe like i mean you take someone who's a troubled troubled youth and they have all these aspirations. I mean, they're always making up for something. When, when you take a dictator, they're always making up for the the problems that they had in their own life, their own insecurities, and they have to they have to overcome their own insecurities by like projecting into the out, outside world. So I'd say that he's doing a service for people by preventing that. I think I don't think that um, I, that's why I think Elon Musk is a little bit unique because he he's he's probably overcome some stuff, and you know he's. He grew up in South Africa, and he didn't like the apartheid and all that stuff, and he moved away from that. He, he he kind of broke away and felt like he was a renegade from the start there, and that's coming from a good place. That's coming from a place of you know escaping that racism and escaping that negative environment and being a renegade in that sense. So I don't know if... I don't know his personal life. I don't think... I haven't gone... You know, I, I haven't wrote, written a, like a, read a book on the guy, but mm -hmm. I would assume that he's had some childhood things that he's trying to make up for, for sure. But it's not in the sense of, like, in an aggressive way, in a, in a malevolent way. But what is... Okay, so what is what is the actual story, though? What, what I don't even know. He tweeted something... Okay, well, it started. It all started with uh, these, uh, these, uh, this young soccer team or something. Somehow, ended up in some went spelunking. Ended up trapped in some cave, and something happened, and like they couldn't get out, and they needed rescue divers to come in and help them out. And uh, operation took days, 
uh, weeks, maybe. Uh, I don't know the details too much myself. I mostly just published three, four hours talking about it. Um, and it was a harrowing, it's a harrowing thing. Uh, some of the rescue divers uh, died in the attempt. I have heard about that story, the one yeah. where, yeah, the one guy ran out of oxygen or something like that. And I heard this from my clients. I haven't actually been following the news. I just hear things from my clients. And but um, so how does so he was just commenting on this? He wasn't actually commenting on something that happened to himself. No, 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 no. Uh, Elon Musk once like once this hit a fever pitch and it was in the news. He was like, I'm going to step in, and he had all his engineers develop this like tube. Like that could be sent down through the caves to uh, retrieve kids. Like I think one kid at a time or something like that. And they could breathe and like they could see and they wouldn't be scared. And and it, it would come up and bring them all up. And this never got used. This was never pre- actually got in. Uh, the rescue divers eventually uh, got them all out. But. Some rescue. A lot of a lot of the hubbub was like Elon Musk isn't uh, trying to be good. He's just trying to get some attention, and he's trying to steal the attention and the valor away from all these rescue divers. Uh, so, like some of the rescue divers, like Elon Musk is posting tweets and stuff like that, emails uh, about the conversation they were having and like how they were like, yeah, keep working on it. But there's also other rescue divers who are saying, uh, talking shit to him. And so this one rescue diver was talking shit to him about this thing, saying he was being selfish. And Elon Musk responded by calling him a pedophile. Okay. That just sounds like being immature over Twitter. Yeah, that's basically what the whole hubbub is about. <laughs> so just it's just it's just his PR. So he was trying to tackle it on. So it's like the so he's basically trying to be a superhero, which you guys were talking about. Right. And then he just didn't handle it the right way by saying the superhero type of things. He just kind of talked shit over the internet, and and then he didn't actually wasn't able to step in in time to actually help anybody. So it just looked bad. Like maybe if he had actually come through with his little cube idea, maybe people would be like, eh. Who cares about Twitter? He saved everybody, but it was the divers that you know. The was it the Navy SEALs or something that, that uh, the, the Thailand uh, a Thailand rescue team. Uh, there was okay. a there's a lot of there's a few expatriates on there in particular this and though the British expatriate who uh, talked a lot of talked a lot of shit about Elon Musk and he responded in kind. Oh, so it was one of the guys on the the rescue team that was talking shit specifically. Yep. Yeah. Oh, did he? Did he? Did he? Um, did, were any Thai water bugs harmed or recruited during the, this operation? <laughs> I think that I think that's the only thing that uh, I didn't look into about this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, like maybe maybe were the, were, were the children forced to eat t- these bugs while they were in the cave? I don't know. I, I, you know, that's a great question. How did these uh, children survive in that cave for that long? Maybe they had libations or, or sustenance, like, with them. Maybe, maybe they should watch ScottCast. If anybody knows these children, I know that they were denied the chance to go to the World Cup, which was a bit of a bummer because they were still recovering in the hospital. But you know what you can do while you're recovering in the hospital? Listen to ScottCast. That's a good point. ScottCast is great for, uh, I mean, I don't know if they, they, I don't know if they could, would understand our esoteric references being in a, from a different country and possibly speaking a different language. 
Well, here's an idea. Mm. Maybe if you had some kind of sensory substitution, you could uh, translate our language. You could translate. That could be the thing. You know, the first podcast to be piloted so that you convert it from English and you get the feeling behind Scott Guest. Because it's not about the words, Scott. It's about the raw passion and the feelings that we project and our thoughts directly into their brain. We could beam our thoughts into their brain and you could sensory substitute that in there. That's that's a great thought. I like that idea. I like the idea of us being able to say all these esoteric subjects, all these esoteric topics, and for, and for people not having to have some huge prior history with these topics. Because let's face it, we're not the best at explaining crap. Well, at least I'm not. You're pretty good. You're pretty thorough. But... I'm not the best at explaining all these esoterica I bring up. I just like to bring up esoterica because, uh, you know, that's kind of my thing. I like old-timey things. I like weird things. I like I like hearing about craziness. And if we can just get that feeling that I have when I talk about these subjects, like these that 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 swelling of warmth within with within my soul every time I I hear something weird. And like, if we could just transmit that electronically to all our Scott Castigators, I mean, I'm pretty sure we would sweep the world. There's 350 million native English speakers uh, uh, in the world, and and uh, and much more who speak it with a second language. But now those barriers are being break broken, and we could have an audience of potentially seven to eight billion people. And that's interesting. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel like this this is why I have you on this podcast, for these ideas that ultimately expand our audience uh, to to conquer the earth. Let me ask you a question, Scott. If we're discussing esoteric uh, subjects, which are lesser known, you know, topics that people feel they resonate with because they're part of a smaller you know, almost an exclusive group of people. Um, and they resonate with that because of the esotericism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Not to be, com- yeah, you don't, don't focus on the terrorism part. That sounds bad, but actually you were saying <laughs> it right. Like when I said it earlier in the other episode, I, I think I literally said esoterism. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. I was like, um, I think it's this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so, is he a terrorist? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't this is believe awkward. so. <laughs> but you never know. You never know who could be a terrorist. So. But no, it, so if everybody is part of this esotericism, then does that mean that, you know, if everybody's part of it, will, they, will it lose it, its value if everybody becomes a listener of ScottCast? Because you're going to you approach everybody, not just people who listen to podcasts, anybody, right? So if everybody has this esoteric knowledge, is that... Does that still make it, it makes it by definition not esoteric, but maybe that's what we're trying to get at. We're trying to illuminate the minority that believes these obscure things, and they might be very insightful things, and eventually everybody has, you know, you know, you, people can try to cover their ears, okay, and they can try to maybe not tune in, but those who are willing to listen can gain that valuable esoteric knowledge that they might not otherwise get, and, and it you know, maybe it's by definition, it's no longer esotericism, but that's what we do as esoterists. <laughs> <laughs> they never feel safe from it. No one should ever feel safe from that knowledge. It's, no. It should just always make its way towards you so that you're a better person. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think I think as we spread knowledge throughout the universe uh, of of odd things, of oddities, and and strange ideas, I think I th- I, th- I think the the scope of what's strange and what's esoteric will also expand uh, because we'll because because people will have a greater breadth of what they can accept as strange and esoteric. So like right now we're talking about pretty general topics. We can link everything to something in pop culture. Like oh we're talking about all this extrasensory stuff, but you know Batman, you know like stuff like that. But as we go on and we develop and all these people get these esoteric. Strength, basically, so strength, or something. Uh, as they develop that, uh, we can start delving into even stranger, odder topics. Like we'll, like we're gonna put Ripley's, believe it or not, to shame. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna be, we're gonna be bringing people the crazy, the crazy things that they all want. We're gonna be making mermaids happen out of fish and monkeys. We're gonna be, we're, it's gonna be great. I was going to look into this topic, too, of um, there was that I can't remember the name of it. You remember we were talking about that Shape of Water movie in mm-hmm. that Amazon like it's you've seen the movie, right? Yes. OK, so, you know, like that that Amazon God that they that the guy really is, you know, like he's he can regenerate all this stuff because he's based off of this thing found in the Amazon. It's an actual like, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a fish. It's like this amphibious kind of thing that can regenerate its its its, its heart and its brain and its liver and everything, right? Insane regenerative capacities, um, and you know it's like implementing that that kind of thing too is kind of scary too because that's kind of esoteric. But you know, if more people realized just how like kind of cool that was and how how influential it could be, and everybody had access to this these wide sweeping you know like these this knowledge right this kind of almost hidden knowledge you know it'd be kind of interesting to see how quickly things would change in our day-to-day lives like would you be able to keep up with all of the changes and you know would you be able to still identify yourself as the same person that you were you know from from year to year just because of how quickly and rapidly us as humans would be changing with all of this wide sweeping knowledge, Scott cast being beamed left and right into people's brains, absorbing all of our podcasts in a single sitting because you have this advanced device for generating <laughs> half of your brain from the brain damage by some of the stuff that Scott says <laughs> because you need it. It's interesting world, interesting world to live in an interesting future. It's one that I would like to see play out though. It's about time we wrap up, but I want to wrap up with an email bag. There we go. I just got an email in today, and it's actually about you, David. Oh, that's good. That's right. He says, this this email states uh, that you, uh, Ian might have won Feudcast officially, but they say you also won. Like, in general. And they said that you had great performance with your eyes. Like, you did good eye things. Like, while... while yeah, like that. Like, while David was... Like, no, no, no. While, while Ian was talking and stuff like that, you'd intimidate him and, like, give give him the scowl and give him, like, the like the confused eyes. And, like, you, you emoted very well throughout Feudcast, which, which netted you the win to this particular Scott Castigator. How do you feel? I think it's a miracle that, you know, my... 
that that Ian was able to avoid enough eye contact for me not to just win outright <laughs> just using my eyes and my vision, which which has been enhanced. You know, it's oh. it's on another level. Oh, so you know, you're on, you're, you you took some performance enhancing things to get that gaze down, did you? Well, I've just been enhancing myself through personal growth, and I think on a higher level, on an extra sensory kind of sixth sense sort of way, I have that effect on people. Yes, and uh, when you're when you're, it's different when you're podcasting over the. It's hard to pick up on that exactly, and kudos to the person for picking that up while watching a video. But if you're there in person, you know you feel the uh, the smolder. Right, right. Like, I was immune to it because I'm a very egotistical person, and I was mostly paying attention to me the whole time, even though I kind of cut out everything I said. <laughs> well, you were, you could watch yourself on three separate cameras at the same time, so I think that kept you plenty entertained. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I, that was, like, the most fun part of it for me, was being able to watch myself on three separate cameras at once. So, um, thank you... Kind stranger for your thoughts and your wisdom on this matter. Wisdom. And, um, I, like, I like when it's a, comp- well, it's a compliment to you. It's wisdom. <laughs> As a wise man once said, he who speaks wisdom upon me is he who has complimented me. Did you just make that up? I'm the wise man who said that. And you said it just now. Just now. Okay. Yes. Well... Well, now, now I hope you feel good, person who wrote in. Uh, I, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they're excited and giddy that they got such wise words, such 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 an effervescent praise from the underdog David, the sneaky D himself. And yes, the eternal, the eternal underdog, and that's how I shall remain in the in you know as a champion of the people that people like to root for the underdog. I'm not just the supposed fan favorite I am. I am with the fans in a way that I don't know if Mr. Co-host Ian will ever feel that kind of connection with the audience that I do as the underdog. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Write into hopforscottcast at gmail.com and let us know. Let us know how you feel about uh, about the underdog David. Is it, does he still have that magic with him, or did this episode ruin him for you? Like I don't know. This was a solid episode. I think I think us doing it digitally. It was pretty it good better. for yeah. Oh, I was just I was just gonna say we were pretty good at not interrupting each other until we just did just that. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can, so. Um, can we can we recap a little bit? Maybe we should do that at the end of these episodes to try to bring it all back together just sure. on what we talked about, okay? So I think we can both agree, maybe working from the more recent topics backwards, that you shouldn't tweet like a little child okay. when you're a, such a prominent public figure. Because I know Probably. Elon Musk has gotten in trouble. He's gotten in trouble with that before by saying, remember we did that April Fool's joke? That said, oh, yeah, Tesla's bankrupt. Ha, 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 ha. And people freaked out. <laughs> did his stock, like, plummet or something? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> and then he was like, geez, people just can't take a joke. It must be a South African thing. I don't know. So, <laughs> so okay. don't, don't do that. If you're, you have basic PR skills when you're tweeting, and, you know, I mean, if you're tweeting, you know, like, someone who knows how to tweet would be like, Scott, 
from Scott Cast. He he would be an example of how you could probably market yourself and maintain you know a good PR image, right? Right. I'm, I've got a pretty solid image. Like I, everybody loves me. Every like I've never had anything against me sent in. Like everyone, like the, there's a divide between the fans of for Ian and David, but for me, it's universal praise. Okay, so that recaps with Elon. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still we're still not what sure to, if we're supposed to fear him or praise him or both. Maybe we should be afraid of how much we praise him. But maybe we should also praise him for how much we are afraid because he's influential and that can be scary sometimes and it's going to be okay <laughs> as long as we keep track of this guy, at least on Twitter. Yeah. So we got Elon Musk uh, and then we got, uh, we're going we're gonna to start uh, sound jamming. Was that the next, the next to last thing? We're going we're gonna to start sound jamming our competitors so that they can't talk while they pod. We're going... We're going to embrace technology and for the advancement of Scottcast so that as many people as possible can experience in as many ways as possible oh, yeah. the glory Ooh. that is Scottcast. Glory to Scottcast. Glory to Scottcast. Hello, Alrighty. No, wait. That's too religious. <laughs> well, Scottcast is a kind pod. Yes, it is a giving pod, a very <laughs> benevolent overseeing god no podcasting did i say god i didn't mean to say that <laughs> yeah stop stop we're doing good I th- <laughs> <laughs> we're doing god i mean we're doing good <laughs> all right david thank you for coming on no problem you're gonna be coming on a lot more often uh because this setup is amazing and I gotta say goodbye to the Scottcast audience. We gotta say goodbye. We got a bit to do. Bid the adieu. That's correct. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs>